Well, good morning, O family. Great to be with you this morning. Have you ever started using a metaphor and then you got it confused with another metaphor? It's called mixed metaphors. I'm going to share some of my favorites with you and see if you can think of the two different metaphors that are captured here. And You know, it's almost 11 o'clock, so you should be with me, right? You should be awake. The, the morning crowd was a little slow. So, so work with me here. Running around like a chicken chasing its tail. Okay, all right, all right, okay, warming up. Sick your neck out on a limb. We'll burden that bridge when we come to it. She's not the sharpest cookie in the jar. Oh, there you are. All right, we, we, got, we got one there. Don't cry over spilled beans. I'm up a tree without a paddle. It was like the tip of the iceberg that broke the camel's back. My cuppeth runneth over in deep doo-doo. I mean, that's, that's probably not a good thing to have a cup of right now. And I recently heard, I actually heard this one uh, a couple weeks ago. Someone was talking about someone sharing with them, and they said that they were being as clear as butter. In our passage this morning in John 10, as we are working through the I am statements in John, Jesus is giving a word picture to the Jews and to the, to the religious leaders there, to the disciples. The one that would have been, should have been very familiar with them, right? It was about sheep, about a shepherd, about a gate, about a pen, about thieves. But John says this in, in John ten six. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. They just, they weren't getting it. They were spiritually blind. They just weren't getting it. So Jesus uses two I am statements here in the next couple of verses, two metaphors where he's going to kind of, kind of mix them together. He's just trying to throw them together, try to help them to understand what he was saying about himself so they could respond. One of the ones is I am a good shepherd, right? Pastor Mark is going to cover that next week. Uh, But this week I get the other one. Where Jesus says, I am the gate or the door. Follow along as I read from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think of all the I am statements, this one might be the least familiar or the most neglected. I mean, think about it. Anybody have a bookmark in their Bible right now that Jesus saying, I am the gate. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, we sang a song that had, I am the resurrection. I am the light of the world. We didn't sing anything about Jesus being the door. Probably none of you have a cross stitch at home where Jesus saying, I am the gate, the door. And yet this I am has something very important for us today. 
as Jesus is sharing this. Here's the background for the metaphor. Shepherds would take their sheep out to the fields, right, so that they could feed, they could drink. And then if they were close to a town, they would bring the sheep back, and there would be, in this town, usually a community pen where all the shepherds would bring their sheep, and there, there would be a gate and a gatekeeper. And they would pay the gatekeeper to watch the gate, make sure only the shepherd came in, and to watch the sheep so that they could get some needed rest and food for the evening. And in the morning, they would come and they would uh, gather their sheep because the gatekeeper would know them as the shepherd. You may wonder, how did they gather their sheep? I mean, I don't know about you, but sheep look like sheep to me, right? Well, the shepherd would get on one side of the pen and would begin to speak. And even though the sheep are not the shardest cook cookie in the jar, right, they know their shepherd's voice. And the shepherd would even call them by name. Beautiful picture. And the sheep would all come to them. And then he would take them out as they would follow him to green pastures. But let's say a shepherd was a little far from town, right? They're around the field, but it was too far to go into town. Well, the shepherd would have to make a makeshift pen, right? Grab branches and rocks and just make a pen, uh, encircle the sheep with one small opening. Once the sheep were all in, the shepherd himself would lay down and he would be the gate to keep them safe from everything that wanted to do them harm. Through this metaphor, Jesus is saying something very important about himself that we need to understand why Jesus needs to be our door. You know, a door does a number of things, has a number of purposes. One of those is to keep things out, right? We lock ourselves, we lock our possessions, anything valuable, we lock it in. Most of us probably locked our doors last night or you locked your cars, you know, unless you have an old truck like me and if someone wants to steal it, well, that's fine. They can steal it. They'll probably won't make it down the road. But most of us probably locked our things, right? To keep things safe. And that's what a shepherd would do as he would become the gate, keep the sheep, Jesus said in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus in this passage is making a comparison between himself and and the Pharisees who he, he calls thieves, right? That was the immediate context. But Jesus saw beyond them, right? To the greatest thief of all times. And so this morning, we have warned to talk about the greatest thief, and that is Satan. And Jesus does this in chapter 8 of John, just, just earlier, as he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Jewish people. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer. Sound familiar? He was a murderer from the beginning not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of lies. Jesus this morning is offering you a door of protection. 
against the greatest thief there has ever been. And unless you enter that door, you are as vulnerable as a sheep is out in the field. Satan wants to steal. He wants to murder and destroy everything that God wants to do in you and through you. He wants to steal any relationship you have with God. He wants to rob every blessing you have from God. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to spend you to spend an eternity with him in a godless eternity, separated from God. And so just as it is important to know how a thief does his job to be able to protect what belongs to you. Paul, to the Corinthians, when they were dealing with the situation in the church, he writes this in 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So this morning I want to share four schemes, popular schemes of the great thief, so that you know why you need Jesus to be your door today. Four popular schemes that Satan uses that he wants to use to steal from you, to, to murder you, and to destroy you. First of all, is he uses our sin nature. You know, we use that phrase that, the, that the, like a bank robbery had an inside job, right? An inside person there, someone who was actually working in the bank that helped them steal. Well, Satan has an inside job in each one of us, right? We have our sin nature. And you know what? Sometimes Satan doesn't need to do very much. He just grabs a, a box of popcorn and sits down and enjoys the show as we destroy ourselves. James writes this in chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I mean, Satan can just watch the show there, because that's what a lot of us do to ourselves. Have you experienced the power of the evil in your own heart? Have you ever said something, done something, or thought something where you're like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Why did I say that? Why did I just do that? Have you experienced the destruction and the brokenness that can come from that? Jesus says, come to me and let me close the door on the power of the sin in your life. He is the only one who can do it. You cannot do it. I cannot do it. I don't have the power. Paul would write this to the Galatians. He said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with the passion and its desires. I mean, he uses some strong language here. 
that if you belong to Jesus, if you go to Jesus, if you go to him as the door, he is the one that has the power to crucify that, to put it to death. So that he could go on to say, Paul would write, live by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. It's only if you've gone to Jesus as the door of protection. Not only does Satan use our sinful nature, but he uses something closely related. He uses temptations, temptations of the world. Paul would write this about a man named Demas, who was a co-worker of him. I mean, they were do, sharing the gospel together. This man saw the miracles that God was doing in the changed lives. And yet, the power of temptation drew his heart away. It says, for Demas, because he loved this world, he has deserted me. He most likely deserted his faith. Paul would go on to write, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and in the many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of the money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And Satan is smiling, flapping, and enjoying it. Do you want to be kept safe from temptations destroying your life? You got to be close to Jesus. You got to go to the door and let Jesus close that door. I find strength in him. One of the verses that I memorized as a new believer was 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Maybe some of you memorize it. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Only through Christ. And you know what's interesting? That verse is in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul is actually talking about the Israelites. Okay, After they had seen the miracle of the Red Sea, they had seen God on the mountain, right? They had the Ten Commandments. They were provided by God every day through manna. And yet their hearts were drawn away. And I want to ask, they're in the desert. <laughs> what temptations are there in the desert? I mean, consider our, our lives today. I and mean, we are surrounded at our fingertips in a culture that is vastly diving into immorality. I mean, there are temptations everywhere. If Satan can get them and their hearts away from God, what kind of targets are we? How strong are you? How strong am I? It's only through Christ, the door. He is the one who is faithful and provides a way out, but you've got to be close to him. You've got to enter that door and you've got to stay close allowing him to give you the strength. James later would warn his readers not to be friends with this world. He would say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. 
Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Near Christ. Get behind the door and stay there. Thirdly, Satan loves to use trials. And you know, when we're going through some difficult times, we can head in one of different, few different directions. And I know some of you are going through some tough trials right now. Sometimes we get on the path where we just numb ourselves with entertainment and addictions, which leads only to further destruction. Sometimes we head down that path where we want to become bitter to God, angry with God, close ourselves off to everything God can, can offer us. Some of you know that our family went through a difficult period where when our daughter was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma cancer, stage four. And you know, during that time, you, you know, Satan loves to lob those lies. Like, really? God cares for you? God allowed this to happen in your life? I mean, you've been serving him for 20 years, and this is how God repays you? Really? God loves you? God is here in the midst of that? I mean, we saw so many families destroyed during that journey, marriages destroyed. The enemy loves to steal and murder, and sometimes he uses trials. Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him. Some of you have a lot of anxiety this morning because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert, meaning don't listen to the lies. Think of the truth. Anchor your heart and your mind in the truth. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour you through this trial. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Your faith in Jesus. Because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You know, you don't make it through a journey like that, a trial on your own strength. You can't do it. You only do it by entering that door, getting behind that door, and just hunkering down, and just staying close to Jesus. He is faithful. He is the door. You know, it was during that time I was preaching to a series on the character of God. That was an anchor for the soul. And we talked about Job. Job went through a lot of trials. And the question was, would Job still worship God? Would he still worship? Will you still? It's possible. It may not seem like it sometimes, but it's possible. If you've got Jesus... And you've entered that door. And lastly, Satan will use false teaching. Satan lied in the garden with Eve, and he will lie till the very end, deceiving people 
trying to lure their minds and their heart away from God. Jesus even said this about the end times. He said, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Will you be one of those? Paul writes to Timothy, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Again, he writes, for a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine and said to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth. Does that kind of sound familiar, what's happening today? Satan would love to destroy you with lies. How will you say strong? Peter, in his second letter, also writes of challenging times that they would have. And this was his challenge to them at the end. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Enter the door of Jesus. Hunker down. Get to know him more than you know anything else in life. Anchor your faith in his promises and in his character and who he is. Grow and become strong in your faith so that you will not be deceived and destroyed. You know, there's a lot of movies where the people have to run, right? They have to run through and get to a door, get to a room and close that door to be safe from the enemy. I was asking family and friends this week, try to give you some good uh, feedback. And, uh, and uh, the one that came to mind was some of you, uh, maybe you've watched Jurassic World. Anybody Jurassic? You like the Jurassic Park movies, right? The dinosaurs. Well, Chris Pratt is a character. He's playing a character where he's trying to train velociraptors right three of them and so they're in an area well one of the workers falls into the area and is about to become a very messy lunch right chris pratt runs in there and and he begins to talk to these three dinosaurs you know trying to put his puts his hands up for some you know kind of like keeping them at bay as this guy gets out of the gate and he's slowly packing up and eventually he says to the guy behind him close the gate Close the gate. He closes it. And the gate's closing. And pretty soon, it's about this much space. Chris Pratt turns around, runs, dives under that gate. As the three velociraptors are barreling down on him, the gate closes. They crash against the gate. And he is safe on the other side. I mean, that's a great word picture of what Satan wants to do to you. Just to barrel down on you. And have you for lunch. And there is one gate strong enough to stand. And that's Jesus. Some of you maybe know that uh, old song, Shut the Door. Anybody? Shut the door? Yeah. I was going to sing it today, but my wife said don't. That will not edify anyone at all. Right? <laughs> but it's got a Jamaican vibe to it. Right? Shut the the door keep out the devil shut the door keep the devil in the night shut the door keep out the devil light the candle everything's all right
right? You got to get behind the door. You got to enter the door. The door of protection. That's not it. Jesus also is the door of opportunity. Amazing opportunity. You know, maybe I would, could ask you today, you know, what is the most important door you have ever gone through? Right? Maybe later today after lunch, you can share that with your family or maybe with your life group. The most important door. I mean, guys, if you're wise, you'll say the door to the church where you went to marry your wife. I mean, that would be the smart thing to do. Okay, But, but maybe you had a door where you went into an interview and, and that job changed the course of your life. Or maybe a door that opened up a new relationship to someone who was so influential in your life. Jesus is the greatest door that you will ever enter. And he opens up an opportunity of a life that you could never imagine. He speaks about this in these few verses. It's an opportunity for an abundant life and an opportunity for an everlasting life. Look what he says, that he will, he's describing the sheep here now. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, this is during the day, right? After the door of protection has been there for the night, now it's daytime. But now the sheep can go out and eat and just enjoy life and have it, Jesus says, to the full. He's actually quoting a verse from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy 28, where Moses at this moment is about ready to pass away. Right? He's turning the reins over to Joshua and he's telling these people, you've got a choice. One choice, one path leads to blessings. You follow God, you serve God, you seek him with all your heart. And this is a life of blessing. And it begins to say what kind of life it is. And it's amazing. And you'll be fruitful. You'll have food to eat. Your sandals will never wear out. Your clothes will wear out. God will fight your battles. I mean, that's what it should have been their experience. But so often they forsook God, turned their hearts away from God. Jesus is saying, this is, this is the kind of life. It's a, it's, a, it's a full life, a sated life. That's one of my favorite words, crosswords, sated, a full life. I mean, this is like life after Thanksgiving, right? You've already had the Thanksgiving meal. And you were sitting there, you maybe had some great fellowship with the people around you, just experiencing God's blessings. And if you're not a Bears fan, maybe you watched your football team win, right? I mean, life is good. This is always next year, okay? This is a, a sated life. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But let's be clear here. In the Old Testament, that was really a, a material blessing because they were the nation to represent God. But Jesus was not speaking about living the American dream here. He wasn't saying that your life is just going to be absolutely amazing materially and you're going to prosper in this world. It was a different kind of sated life. Peter would write later, his divine power has given us everything we need for life. That's a life becoming who God wants you to become. A life doing what God wants you to do. 
a life where you are pursuing him and worshiping him with all of your heart. I mean, that is a sated life. It's a, it's a life where if you want to do a great study in the Bible, just start making a list in the cover of your Bible about everything that God gives you in Christ. His love, his mercy, his compassion, his strength, his spirit, his nature in you so that you can become a different person. Right? All of these, he gives us a family, brothers and sisters in Christ that we can encourage each other to pursue after God together a new identity, a heart that wants to worship and obey and follow, wants to serve. I mean, you can serve with the youth ministry with teenagers throwing axes. Right? I mean, how exciting is that? A life where we empty ourselves like Jesus. That's when we experience life to its fullest. Not only uh, an abundant life, but an eternal life where this life will continue to go on for all of eternity. Some of you know I love the movie uh, Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory, one of my favorites. And you know, when they go down that small hallway to that door, and he finally opens that door to such chocolate Right, something they could never imagine, and that's what it'll be: eternal life, life in Christ. Christ opens the door to what we can never imagine. You know, when Adam and Eve disobeyed in garden, God God created the organ for, to 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 be able to spend you know life with them and inner fellowship with them, but they rebelled against Him and He kicked them out away from His presence because in a sinful state that would not have been good. But Jesus came to reverse all that, to bring us back to God, have fellowship with God, to die for the forgiveness of our sins, because one day sins will be judged. God's wrath will come on the sins and on my sin. The question is, will I experience it? Or will I have allowed Jesus to experience it? Because Jesus experienced that for me. So that one day I could experience his forgiveness. Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, Anyone who enters will be saved. All eternity. And it's interesting that Jesus is saying this, okay, right after the blind man was healed, right? He was healed, but he was interrogated by the Pharisees in John chapter 9. And the Pharisees didn't like what he said about Jesus. And so they kicked him out of the temple. Right? And some of you, may, we may just read right over that and not really, okay, whatever, he kicked him out, kick him out the door. But no, to be kicked out of the temple is to be kicked out of God's presence, I mean, you are being excommunicated from God, never to enter again. But Jesus finds him and comes to him. 
and says, do you believe? Jesus offers for him to be the door into fellowship with God for all of eternity. Come believe that I am the door to God forever. As we wrap up, we need to say a couple of important things. First of all, Jesus says that there is a single entrance. I am the door. There was one gate to the sheep head. There wasn't many ways, and there are not many ways to God. Jesus said, I am the gate. Echoing what the disciples and apostles would eventually say in Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Because it's only Jesus who died for your sins. It is only Jesus who offers you his righteousness as a covering to be able to approach God. To be hidden in Christ. The second thing is anyone, he says, can enter. Anyone it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how religious or non-religious. You, nothing matters. It says anyone can come to the moment where you realize that you need to enter that door. You've experienced enough of the brokenness in your life and the sin and the destruction. And you want things to be different. You want to know Jesus and you want to know God. Anyone, he says, who enters. Paul would echo this later in Romans ten thirteen for everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead to give you that victory, to give you that life. And it is yours free of charge. But here's the thing, a response is necessary. The door is open, but Jesus said, you, you, I mean, you have to enter. You have to believe that it's true and it is true for you. That Jesus did this for you. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 6-2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Is it that day for you today to finally walk through the door to embrace Jesus? You know, it's interesting. At the end of this passage, it says that the Jews were still divided. Those listening, those who had seen the miracle of a blind man seeing were still divided. Some of them, ironically, said that Jesus was demon-possessed, that Satan was behind what Jesus was doing. See how he twisted it? Satan loves to twist things. But others said, how is that possible? Have you ever seen someone healed of blindness? Can someone who is demon-possessed do that? And they believe that Jesus was sent from God. That he was who he was saying, the I am. The great I am. Who has come. What do you say? Let's pray.
Lord, our hearts are humbled to know that the I am, the great I am, has come to be a door for us, to do this for us, to rescue us from not only ourselves and our own sin nature, our own sin, but Satan himself. And Lord, I pray for everyone here today and those who are listening online, Lord, that today would be the day, if it hasn't happened yet, that they would enter the door and receive from Jesus his door of protection, knowing that he is the only one strong enough to offer that. Lord, I pray that we would see that Jesus is the only one who is the door of the greatest opportunity forever, opening up for us such a rich life in fellowship with him and his Father for all eternity. Lord, I pray that those who are here today would no longer resist, no longer listen to Satan's lies, Satan's temptations, Lord, today would be the day to walk through the door of Jesus.